Welcome back to another episode of Getting Animated. Um, There won't be any anime news this week because I really want you guys to enjoy this episode in all its entirety. This is probably one of my favorite, favorite, favorite episodes and I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. Um, Farah was great and I can't say thank you enough for listening. It really means a lot to me and I really hope you guys enjoy. I'll be talking to you guys next week. Bye! Hey guys, so this week on Topic Time, I'm lucky enough to have Farah with us and she will be talking to us about a silent voice along with some awesome, awesome uh, mental health things and all things great and bettering yourself. I'm so excited. Could you please tell my audience a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Farah Harris. I am a psychotherapist um, and I am also the owner of Work. Uh, Working Well Daily, which is a workplace wellness uh, consulting company um, that is just dedicated to dismantling toxic work environments. Um, So I love talking all things self-care, all things mental wellness, everything uh, related to emotional intelligence and just creating a life by design. And that's incredible. Um, I was just telling Farah how excited I was to have her on the show because she just she has a resume let me tell you it is amazing um so I'm very very excited so I did want to talk to you um a little bit about just this year in general um it's rough (laughs) it has not been easy for a lot of people a lot of different groups of people so I just wanted to ask you um when facing things like tough times like what would you say are like maybe three tips for people who just want to kind of feel better about themselves and kind of take care of themselves yeah uh I think we've heard it almost at nauseum um but yet I don't know if we've really absorbed the advice or the wisdom of giving yourself grace um, you know, this year has definitely been super challenging. I mean, life is challenging, but there's definitely certain seasons like the one that we're in that just can knock somebody just completely off uh, their feet. And so we have to be able to give ourselves grace if we're not being able to produce as much as we want to produce, that we're not as productive as much as we think we're productive or want to be productive because we're living in a pandemic. <laughs> and I think we we want to act as if we're not. Um, I think this is why we're still in this mess is because so many of us want to get back to whatever it was that we knew as normal and haven't learned how to slow down and how to rest and how to to navigate, you know, in the midst of all of this stress in a way that's actually healthy. So I think giving yourself grace and knowing that it is okay to not do all of the things, you know? Um, And I think this is actually a great time to do some inventory. I think 2020 and, you know, us quote unquote being locked down because of COVID has allowed, in my opinion, um, 
a light to be shined or, you know, it's, it's shining on everything that's not working <laughs> for us as individuals and us as a, a community and as a country. And so I think this is a great time as part of your self-care work to just take inventory and recognize what has served you well and what hasn't. Um, because the outside will open up again. And when we get back to a new type of normal, we want to get back into it better, right? You don't want to have the same bad habits or the same bad relationships um, or the same bad job, you know, to be what it is that we go back to um, when, when, when things are a little bit more open and free. So giving yourself grace, making sure you're taking inventory on what serves you well and what doesn't serve you well, and and rest, like rest is productive and people are not doing it enough. We are all collectively grieving uh, in some shape or fashion. And sometimes, you know, you're just like, man, I'm tired, you know, and I'm, and I'm reading tweets and I'm following what people are saying on social media. And obviously, you know, with what I've heard from my clients and everyone's like, I'm just tired. I'm like, yeah, it's your natural body's response to uh, trauma. And we're all <laughs> going through some type of trauma. So collectively as a nation, we're, we're grieving, you know, the things that we used to do and, and how we used to do it. But then, you know, a large segment of our uh, country, those who are black and um, marginalized or, you know, are a part of a marginalized group, we're suffering too and dealing with our own type of grief and sorrow with everything that's going on with all the injustice and the, the murders of, of black bodies. So I'm telling people like, please rest. You know, the, the society is going to always tell you to move, but sometimes rest is even more important and is more productive than grinding and hustling and doing all of the things. I'm so glad that you said that because rest is like my top tier tip to everybody. Um, when I do panels, people always ask me like, what do you do when you feel burnt out? What do you do when you just feel like there's so much going on? And I literally say, you just have to step away and just take some time to rest. Um, I get overwhelmed all the time, especially with the show um, and then also working and doing everything else. And I find myself feeling like I have too many hands in too many pots. And that can get very overwhelming very quickly. And I talk to my other creative friends, you know, cosplayers mm. in the community who are just like, yeah, Destiny, I work a full-time job, but then I come home. And the next thing I know, I'm sewing until four o'clock in the morning. And I have to do it again and and it's just like constant and it's like I have to put out the next TikTok because I want to be yeah. seen by these people and then I just like rest is so important because you can seriously get burnt mm -hmm. out so quickly and at first I kept feeling like oh my god I'm never going to be able to catch up but mm -hmm. then I realized the people who listen to me follow me like my pictures do whatever the people who you know, want to see me succeed are going to be there if I take a week off or two weeks off and they're not yes. going to just disappear. Yes. And they're not. Yeah. And if they do, then they weren't for you, you know? And so the thing is, you know, and I'm so glad that you're doing that because it's so important for us to always work on living our life authentically and in a way that um, allows us to kind of, you know, I'm saying, especially right now with, with the cli with the climate of the world, you know, I say, as the world is on fire, stay hydrated. <laughs> you know? So, you know, just pour into yourself because 
we, we, you know, you've heard the saying, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. So I believe we should always pour from an overflow. So if you're resting, imagine, especially because we're in the creative space, right? So you need your brain to literally have the time to reboot, refresh, create some insight, be imaginative, do all the things that it does well. And you cannot do that if it's tired. And so you're probably actually being able to produce a better version of yourself because you're not trying to, you know, keep up with the Joneses and, and do every TikTok and, and post all the time. Um, and I think it's very important. And to also to your point about those who follow you, they will honor that. You know, you will also be showing them that this is a healthier way to live and hopefully teach them to set up some boundaries and schedule naps <laughs> and do things that you know, allow them to rest because it is so important. I remember uh, during my season postpartum having our last child, I really wanted to show, show up for my Facebook group and for those who followed me. And I shared when I could. And when I couldn't, I didn't. <laughs> you know, because I was like, mm -mm, I'm not going to force myself to be present um, just for the sake of, of being present. I, if I'm going to be here, I want to fully be here and and walk this walk and talk this talk. So I can't talk about that's true. That's true. Oh, that's amazing. Um, I also wanted to ask, because I did mention a little bit about my cosplayers. So um, I've seen articles and mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen them, but they've been like on Twitter and just articles in general of black cosplayers that have to deal with a lot of racism and a lot of cyberbullying because you're not you're told oh you don't look like the character or that character isn't black so why are you cosplaying this character and things like that would you have any tips for people who are combating cyberbullying or who are even afraid to post their cosplays because for even for a long time myself um, I haven't posted a cosplay because I'm just worried, you know, I don't want to be called names just because I decided to do something fun. Um, and I, I know that's kind of something that comes with posting online. You kind of have to be prepared for anything to happen. Um, but mm -hmm. just do you have any tips for people who are probably trying to do it or people who have consistently have to defend cosplaying or why they love cosplaying? Yeah, I think... That's a good question. Um, I think any question really around bullying is a good question because it's like, why are we here? Why are we like this? Um, and and it's so unfortunate because I know that, like in many articles that I've read myself on, you know, how do you combat bullying? It is always to the one that's being bullied. <laughs> I'm like, why? Why is it that? It's the one that's being assaulted that has to figure out how to combat, you know, the very thing they're being assaulted from, that there's very few uh, tips on just not being a bully, like talking to the person who is assaulting. So it's really more a, a defensive, um, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but, you know, we're really giving, trying to give self-care tools to those who are um, dealing with um, bullying. and so. It is a lot of mindset work in terms of not internalizing. So I have a saying, like, don't internalize an external narrative. So, you know, when people are bullying, they try to say things to hit a nerve, right? And they're trying to make you think that you're something that you're not. 
And so you have to make sure you're creating that mental and emotional boundary to not internalize that. Like, you're stupid, you're this, you're whatever name calling there is. Um, if it's not your truth, then it's not your truth. And it doesn't have to be yours. And you can kick it off your you know, lawn and, and, and let them have their junk. Um, you know, making sure that you're affirmed in your own community. You know, do you have friends and family that can speak the truth uh, into what it is that you do, that recognize that this is what you enjoy doing, that support what you do? Um, you need, in a way, that, that kind of support system and community. Um, and then, of course, you know, report. <laughs> like, it's the same thing, like, if you're getting, you know, <laughs> workplace bullying, you know, it's like, okay, make sure you're documenting, making sure you're taking screenshots, make sure you have receipts uh, to, to make sure that the platforms in which you are um, posting are aware that this individual or individuals are doing something that should not be tolerated. So I think we really need to put some ownership um, on the people who, in a way, have some control. Like, I know there's this whole freedom of speech, but I was like, eh, but if it doesn't serve another group well, why do we allow it um, if it's not for the greater good? So definitely, you know, report it, um, minimize, uh, you know, reading comments, <laughs> you know, maybe filter uh, uh, what you can. But the most important thing is trying to shield yourself um, mentally and emotionally from internalizing something like that because especially being if you're a black person you know there's so many narratives that are thrown at us on what we are or what we aren't as if we're a monolith group and we're not and so um one of the things i love and, and enjoy doing with with my clients especially my black corporate female clients it's like okay your homework this week is to fantasize and they're like what and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's like, <laughs> if you weren't doing what you're doing, like, what, what would that look like? And so many of us were taught to be strong or to be uh, conservative or to just be a certain way. But just that freedom to be creative in a way that is not typical of what you may have seen growing up is so refreshing. Um, and they're not always given the permission to do so. So if this is what you want to do, cosplay it up. <laughs> do it. And, and feel yeah. free doing it, but I think it is, you know, um, we, we don't live in a bubble, uh, but I think it is so important because we were created for community to make sure that you have a community of people who support you so that it can drown out the voices of all those negative, um, sad, trifling people <laughs> that feel like this is my life is just to troll folks. <laughs> exactly. I think... Um... Like you said, definitely, you know, report and blocking. That's something that I have always told people, like, don't even. And sometimes I know it. Entertain it. Don't engage. Yeah, because sometimes you just don't need to use that energy for it. You know, um, your energy is precious. And I feel like you don't always have to put it out to somebody who is just mm -hmm. really trying to get a rise out of you. Um I know sometimes it can, especially with social media, it can get really big really fast and it can feel like everybody in the world knows <laughs> when it's only probably like a very small group of people. So, you know, blocking reporting is such a easy, it's just like, you know what, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna let you ruin my day, delete or, you know, block, I won't have to see you, hear you ever again type of thing. Um, so yes, those are all very important and 
I think that was great advice that you were able to give people because uh, when I tell you cosplay, this cosplay community, it can be very loving and affectionate mm-hmm. when it wants to be, but when it wants to be very mm-hmm. mean, <laughs> it will make sure that it shows itself. And um, that's kind of, we were talking about um, on the Black Girl Magic panel mm-hmm. at Crunchyroll Expo, we kind of mentioned um when you surround yourself with the community, like you were saying, it starts to make it less apparent yeah. that there's negative people there. Um, and the more you have, and it's crazy because as soon as I started finding people like me um, and other fellow creators like me and just other black anime fans and other people who were just really accepting, I started getting less comments that hurt my feelings or less emails of people gatekeeping and then I was just like oh my god this is great like and it's just the love just kind of outshined all the hate and I think most people don't even realize like you can you can have that happen to you you know you can have where the love shows way more than the hate so I did have to ask um do you watch any anime if not uh what are some of your nerdy things that you like to do watch anything like that so this is funny um I I don't watch like I feel like this is a hard question to answer so I'm not in a a anime fan in the terms of like being a fanatic to have characters that I know and that I follow but not that I'm not a fan that I don't enjoy because I do enjoy anime. And so Listen, that's yeah. fine. If I always say if you watch if you watch one anime your whole life and you love that anime, you like it, you're an anime fan. It doesn't yeah, matter. Because you know, people were like, you know, are you a fan of, you know, a certain team? And it's like, no, I'm not a fan of the team, but I, I I'm a fan of basketball or like whatever. You know, so it's like it, it, it's, Yeah. It's, I'm, it's the semantics of it so it's like oh when people say you're a fan then they're all of a sudden they'll start asking questions like oh no y'all you're going deep <laughs> like oh they'll I'm start like, yeah they'll start like interrogating yeah. you <laughs> yeah no and i'm like oh no 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 and then they're like well then you're not really a fan it's like oh dude i enjoy it <laughs> so i'm like you're taking credit yeah me um no but when i was growing up like i would watch i guess you would say like christian anime so like Superbook and um See, I'm I'm probably telling my age because <laughs> it's like old school, old school. Um, uh, what was the other one? Um, Flying House. So if you rich back to the early '80s, like that was on like a Christian uh, program that that I used to watch as a kid, and I loved it. And then I would watch like Dragon Ball Z every once in a while. My brother was really into that. My younger brother, and then. Um, but, like, if it comes on, like, I'll stop doing what I'm doing to watch it. Like, I've always enjoyed the art of anime and the style and, and the storylines. But I just never, you know, end up sitting here like, oh, at 2 o'clock every day, I'm going to watch whatever, whatever <laughs> no. show. Like, that wasn't me. Um, but added to, you know, the nerdiness is, is I, I love Marvel. Um, and, and I'm like into all, like my poor husband he's just like all right well i'm gonna let you watch a movie and he'll, he'll lead me to it because he's really not into like superheroes and action movies he's just not that guy uh so he just knows that if i'm starting to watch anything related to marvel i mean i'm dc i i would say that i like 
all types of superhero movies. It doesn't really matter which brand, but I think Marvel does it best. Um, so I'm I'm into all that. I'm still heartbroken by Endgame. I just really felt like the director did not care about us as fans in terms of who. What really? Yes. I was like, you're going to really? kill Iron Man? Like really? Like what are you doing? <laughs> Not a, I'm not happy. That was, not happy. It, I was really sad. I was really sad watching that. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I didn't expect it. But then again, I did. Yeah. It, it was, it was, it was a, a lot. lot. Yeah. I was like, this is, this is too much. And then at the end, I was like, oh, you just going to let Cap go ahead and age? And oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Y'all don't care about us. And so I was just like so frustrated. But, um, I, I enjoy stuff like that, and I, I'm excited that I also know some pretty dope Black women who are into superheroes and 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 watching uh, comics and all that stuff. So I I have that because I, I don't get a chance to really enjoy it with my hubby. He never really grew up on that. He doesn't really care. He's like, wait, what's going on? Yeah. So of course he wanted to go see Black Panther, but that was for the culture. <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> it wasn't he was like, What's the storyline? Like he didn't, he didn't care. My mom, my mom is like that too. She's like super into like Marvel and DC mm-hmm. and things like that. And my dad is just like completely like, Ploop, I don't care. Like I'll watch it if it's on. So my mom will call me in like the middle <laughs> of the day or on a Sunday or something, and she'll be like, "Guess what? I just finished watching." Um, I had to sign her up for Disney Plus yeah. just so she could watch everything I over made again. My husband get Disney because I was like, there's still some some movies I've not been able to see, and he's like, so what do you mean? <laughs> like, so yeah, I need to get this so I can watch all of them, <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. uh, exactly, exactly. So I did ask you to watch A Silent Voice because I really did want to discuss the movie with yeah, you. So, I did. Um, thank you so much for watching. So, Silent Voice is my favorite movie. Um, probably of all, well, I don't want to say of all time because I watch a lot of Ghibli movies, but A Silent Voice is probably number two. Um, it meant a lot to me watching it at home. I got to watch it in the theater. I cried like a baby in the hmm. theater. Um, I bought the manga set. I... I'm absolutely in love with this story, not only because it is by my favorite studio, Kyoto Animation, but I just felt like the story handled a lot of aspects of mental health and just forgiveness and reconnecting in just such a beautiful and pleasant way. And I'm very excited to hear what you think of it and your thoughts as a professional. Um, So what would you say? So, First things first, how did you like the movie? Um. No, I thought it was a beautiful movie. Uh, I was going to actually try to, because it's kind of long, um, but hey, if you sat through Endgame, you can sit through anything. Uh, or any- <laughs> <laughs> um, But it was it was a movie that I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll try to watch, because I started it late um, after, you know, putting the kids down for bed. And, you know, so it was like after nine, and I'm like, I'll watch half of it. And then I'll watch the other half (laughs) tomorrow. Yeah, I sat through the whole thing. I was like, well, you know what? (laughs) I'm already in this. Let me me just go ahead and watch the rest of it. I thought it was beautiful. Um, It was frustrating. 
there, there was just a host of emotions. And I, I think I tried to watch it just with mindfulness in mind. So I didn't have any like paper with me to write down notes, you know, as the movie went along, I was like, nope, I'm just going to sit and I'm going to just take it all in um, as just a viewer. And it was near the end that my therapist hat kind of came back on and was like, wait, hmm, hmm, hmm. <laughs> and I was like, there's some interesting things here that, um, I, I don't want to say that there were holes in the story. I think there's, um, there were views that I was so curious to learn about that were outside of the protagonist uh, because obviously it's focused on, on these uh, young people. And I was like, man, I really would love to see the angle of the story from the mother, from the, what the mothers um, and from uh, the grandmother. I mean, there was a little bit that you can kind of get, but then not really. And I understood, you know, the focus was really on, what was going on with teenagers and just the reality that we are narcissistic in our teen years and we really don't think outside of ourselves. It's really hard for us to have that perspective. And that was definitely evident in, in the story where you just really saw them just so that tunnel vision and, you know, all those blind spots um, and, and the lack of awareness of what was happening with the other people around them. Um, was just was was just done so well. Yeah, I so I I completely agree with you. There was a couple of of like I said, I wouldn't say potholes, but I there were people that I would like to have seen their point of view and what they were thinking um, in the film. Like exactly the parents. I will say when <laughs> when. Um, Ishida went to give his mom the money and his mom found the money and she burnt oh, the money. <laughs> I was me off. <laughs> I was so upset because I'm like, no, all this money, this point. But at the same time, I felt like as a mom, what do you even it's like how do you handle something like that? You know what I mean? Like you put all the pieces together and you witness something right before you probably feel like this is going to happen like you you're not sure but you're kind of like tipping back and forth between is it this is it that all the all the clues kind of end up putting together to make like oh no I know what this Mm -hmm. is I know what's happening it's just like it almost felt really dramatic to me, but at the same time, it's like, what else would you do? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but there were so, you'd be angry. Yes, but there were so, I, I think why I was frustrated was this was so not the healthiest way to, to handle yeah. um, finding out that your, your child is, is, is suicidal because she centered it around her fear. And granted, because I'm a parent of, of three, um, you you are going to be afraid that you you realize after you, like you said you put the pieces together that your child no longer wants to live and but she addressed him from her place of fear and not his place of pain and that was so frustrating for me to watch as as a clinician wow. because i was like okay you've made this about you so there was no what is going on that you feel this way. And I think that was the, the one of the holes in the storyline for me, because it's like, what triggered um, 
just the, 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 the magnitude and the weight of the suicidal ideation for him. Um, you know, we were seeing some flashbacks. We know that there was bullying. Um, but I felt like it, it didn't get flushed out enough. Now, you could understand, um, and, and please forgive me because I, I couldn't remember the names because I was trying to read the subtitles and listen at the same time. And I'm bad with no, American names. <laughs> so, um, but the, 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 the deaf girl. Um, oh, Shoko. Shoko. Her name's Shoko. So with Shoko, mm-hmm. you kind of understood when it got to her part at, near the end why she was choosing to to in a way do this act of service of of suiciding um because we watched yeah. her journey we watched how people treated her we, we just realized like dude they've been horrible um and how she tried over mm-hmm. and over again to still show up as a good person to still show up to be friendly so she got tired um but with him in that moment with his mom, and she was just like, what are you doing? And, and also it was in front of his sister. And I was like, this is so poorly done. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. oh, my gosh. But I really believe it was, it does highlight what many parents who do not practice in, in those moments, some emotional intelligence of slowing down and going, what is what would be a more productive way to handle the situation? Even though I'm afraid, even though I'm angry that he would he would think to do something like this to leave us, what is going on with him? And instead, he was he was apologetic. I'm so sorry, mom. I, I you know, and then she's like, "Say it. <laughs> what are you not going to do?" And he's like, I'm not going to kill myself. And he's like, "Okay." And then the money gets burned anyway. And I'm like, "Okay, this was all for naught." Yeah, dramatic scene, and you still didn't get to the root of his pain, and I think that carried along every time she came into the scene. I was frustrated. Really, every time. Um, Yeah, I, I do, I do think. I don't want to pin them against each other, but I do think Shoko's mom is way better than Ishida's mom, Uh, just because. But I also feel like you were saying. Uh, Shoko's mom, I feel like, also lacks emotional intelligence because I feel like she doesn't communicate mm-hmm. with her daughter just how she's feeling or what she thinks is right. I feel like mm-hmm. she had to put herself um, in the position of being the caretaker. I don't think they really mentioned about her dad, but it's just solely the mom, and she has to take care of her two daughters and her mother, and one of her daughters deaf, and the the countless amount of times of her daughter getting bullied and you know I can only imagine the other stuff that comes with it sending her to a certain type of school different things that are probably expensive you know like she probably has a lot on her shoulders but I feel like she doesn't Mm -hmm. show that or at least communicate like the love or no because I think she loves her daughter but I just don't think she communicates that very well to her daughter so I feel like poor Shoko is like in the dark a lot of the time about how her mother is feeling and she doesn't really know how to communicate with her and I feel like that's also probably a barrier in communication for the both of them anyways um Mm -hmm. but I yeah I think both Shoko and um uh Ishida right yeah, 
I think both their moms were loving out of fear. And, you know, Shoko's mom was, I'm fearful of, of you being hurt, you being taken advantage, you not being looked at um, as a normal person. Um, I'm here to protect. And like you said, we don't really know about their dad. So it's really two single moms raising their kids. And, you know, what does that feel? What's that tax, that labor, that emotional labor that comes with caring for, you know, an entire household with one child in a way who has, who's, you know, um, who's hearing disabled? Because she, she seems to be able to hear some stuff. Like, she's not completely deaf. Because um, she's able to hear, use the, the, the um, what's called, the ear uh, buds. But it was like, I think she was just tired. I think she, you know, worked hard, tried to protect her. And in all of that, though, there wasn't room for communication. And, you know, it was, this is the guy that bullied you. I'm going to slap you and get away from my daughter. It was just like, this is, you, you caused pain. Um, so I, I want nothing to do with you. And it, it was, it's hard. I think it's really hard for parents because I think many, many of us operate from a place of fear. And when I've worked with, with young people, teenagers, um, and I get a chance to check in with their parents, I'm like, you can't love from a place of fear because all they're going to see is your fear and not the love. And so um, I think with both of them, they, which I think is why the, the, the bulk of the story was just focused around these protagonists. And it's like, well, as a teen, you know, your parents are just kind of almost yeah, they're out just, there. They're not <laughs> in the same planet as you sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So your world is your friends. Um, and then they're just kind of like extras, you know, during, um, you know, your adolescent years. And then, you know, you, you bring them in when, when, when you can. And so um, it was such a, it was just such an interesting movie. Like there was just moments where I was so frustrated um, and at the same time, was so moved at how they would do subtle, you know, um, nuances uh, between um, each so character. And I so, wanted to know, yeah, so ahead. how did you feel about Ishida going through the process of obtaining forgiveness from Shoko? Um, it was kind of funny because it was almost abrupt the way he just kind of showed up and was like, I did you wrong, you know, like essentially the way that I treated you ruined mm -hmm. my own life. So here I am just wanting to mm. seek forgiveness for the way that I treated you. But I also feel like, you know, what Shogo went through was trauma and it's kind of selfish for Isha, yeah. in my opinion, especially going back and rewatching it. It's kind of selfish for him to kind of show up and be like, hey, I know I hurt you a long time ago, but I want to apologize for it. But it's like, no, like you tormented this poor girl to the point where she had to leave. And then it wasn't until your friend started treating you the same way you decided, oh, oh, snap. Like, this is not mm -hmm. the right thing for me to do. But it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, um, sir, you literally hurt this girl physically and emotionally you guys got in a fist fight and yes you guys were children mm -hmm. but I'm starting to learn uh as I'm getting older that a lot of the things that happened to you when you were younger really does affect the type of person that you are today um 
So that, for all we know, that could have stuck with her forever and ever. And they're not even that much older. They're, <laughs> so that probably really stuck with her, you know? Um, so how did you think he went about obtaining her forgiveness? Was it the right thing for him to do, um, in your opinion? I don't know if there's a... Um, like, I don't want it to... to for it to be a, a judgment position on if it was the right mm-hmm. thing for him to do, I think, or if he went about it the right way, I think we we were just watching teenagers mm-hmm. be teenagers. And, um, I, you know, there's that saying, like, the road to hell was led with good intentions. <laughs> you know, so I think, like, his intentions um, were, were a little bit, conflicted like I do believe that he did want to tell her that he was sorry um because he realized that dude that's just awful but then at the same time that selfishness is like oh that makes you an awful person (laughs) and this is to kind of like rid you of feeling bad about what you did and he kind of comes to that awareness though near the end like he has that aha moment. Like I never yeah. asked you. <laughs> like how you know? So I was. I, I think there was some growth there. But I think in the middle of of what we're going through, especially in in those adolescent years, and your brain is not even uh, the rational part of your brain, your PFC, your prefrontal cortex, is not even fully developed until the average age of twenty five. Some people a little bit older. So that common sense, that reasoning, that logical thinking isn't there for 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 teenagers and so hence why we see kids just do a lot of reactionary things it's like oh i'm going to just do this and so knee-jerk it's not thought through it's just done um and when he did that i was like yeah that seems about right (laughs) (laughs) like you know it's like oh shoot i feel bad i told my mom like i'm not gonna kill myself i guess i need to do something right you know it's like that uh, the 12-step program when you're an alcoholic you know you go to make amends um, but there's more to that than just saying, Hey, yeah, so sorry. You know, but there is some actual, how are you? Like I did this, but how, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just really getting back to what that other person, um, is feeling like. And, and that empathy piece is, is just difficult. And I was always confused why he was so mean. I also you want know? to talk about, uh, Nyoka. And I wanted to get your opinion on her. It's the girl with the black mm-hmm. hair. Um, <laughs> who's that? And she was really mean to her. She's been mean from the beginning of the movie. I mean, she was one character that stayed consistent. Um, <laughs> and she sat down with her in the Ferris wheel thing and told her how she... I was very, very scared um, <laughs> as well. And she just basically let her have it. And... As we go on, it seems like they become friends, kind of. But I, it didn't even seem like they were still really friends because, like we said, she's been mean from start to finish. So I don't see any growth in it. I just feel like she's now hanging out with them just to hang out with them. Um, but I wanted to know mm-hmm. your thoughts on that relationship and <laughs> what you thought about it. Whew. I was like, she needs to be on somebody's couch. And what is happening to her? Like, I was so, con- I was so concerned with her um, because I think 
you know, when it, it it's kind of like, you know, um, you know, there's the, the flashbacks and then there's the present time. Um, you're in a way kind of seeing a little bit of growth with all the other teens. Um, you know, some of their characteristics and it, it was highlighted near the end, like I'm still the passive aggressive one. I'm still, you know, the one that's, you know, but they were trying to be better. And she was just like, I'm a jerk. I know I'm a jerk. I'm going to stay being a jerk. And it was like, but why? Like, what is going on with you so much? Because she was just like, oh, gosh, what was the line? She's like, I hate you. See, this is why I kind of wish that I went back to watch it again with notes. Um, but she was just like, you know, like, really uncomfortable, I feel, with who she was. Even though she was consistent in her character, I think she was very uncomfortable with who she was and how she was not comfortable with um, with Shoku highlighting her needs. You know, she's like, stop apologizing. You know, stop doing this. And it's like, okay, what is it about this girl that you don't like? Like, I mean, I felt like there was nothing really concrete which I guess, again, highlights the, the world of bullying, is that there's very little for them to really be angry with you about. Like, okay, he can't hear and therefore needs to ask me to write notes. And so she's now a freak because she doesn't speak. Like, I just thought, I was like, this yeah. doesn't make no sense. <laughs> I was like, it's the, you know, we, we will find the littlest things that, um, in a way, like to other someone um because there's something that we're not confident in within ourselves like if i'm good with me however you show up in my world cannot impact me and so i i just was so frustrated with this young lady because i'm like okay you are literally yelling at this girl physically (laughs) fought her (laughs) because she yeah till her mom had to step in yeah it's like I mean, and, and that was so unre—that was ridiculous. I was like, okay, grown woman yeah. in here fighting this child. I mean, I understand that you don't put no hands on my yeah. baby, but um, you know, it was just—it was just, I think, disappointing and sad that as she watched the others try to be better versions of themselves, she was still resolute in just being yeah. a jackass, and was so uncomfortable and, may, and maybe that was it. Like she was just so uncomfortable with change. She was just like, if you never came, everything yeah. would have been normal and everything would have been fine and we would have all been good. But you And sometimes there's really people like and, that, unfortunately. Yeah. There's just mm-hmm. people who just don't, yeah. at least like in adolescent age <laughs> or even, even in adults mm-hmm. too, there's some people who will, you'll come you know, new job or something like that. And they just don't like you for no reason. And you just can't for what the life of you figure out what it is or why this person is like that. And it could be as simple as I liked, um, I liked my group the way it was. And now that we have a new person, I don't want to accept you into my space. I don't want to have to change the way that I am when everything has been the same way for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that takes, you know, emotional agility that takes, you know, self-awareness that takes understanding that there is more, um, 
and, and something different doesn't mean mm -hmm. something bad. And I just don't think she was able to adjust to the change. I think it was such a shock to her system and to, I guess, her identity. Like she knew she was this type of girl. What is she this type? What kind of person is she now with Stokely present? What type of girl is she when um, her, I guess, tag along buddy you know, now disappears in terms of, um, I mean, it was, it was weird. Like everybody else disappeared for, for him, you know, cause he had those like X's mm -hmm. on everybody's faces, but he himself disappeared, mm -hmm. you know, like, cause he was just pulling and withdrawn and, and not showing up, um, in, in life. And so I think she just didn't know, like, what, what does my life look like if these people are not the yeah. same? And I just don't think she was able to yeah, recover. I think because in the end, I yeah, I, I mean, fun. I think Shogo extended that niceness to her and kind of was like, I'm not going anywhere. So you're going to have to get used to me. And I think mm -hmm. she realized that mm -hmm. I have no choice, especially if I want to stay friends with these people. I have no choice but to adjust myself in the way that I think because um, they had a cute little moment later on. But even then, she kind of was like standoffish. But I think. I think later on they would probably become friends eventually. Um, I did. So I have one more question for you. So overall, yes, what did, how did you think the movie portrayed mental health in general as a whole? Um, I think one of my favorite things about the movie is the X on the face. Um, I suffer from anxiety. I mm -hmm. suffer from depression. And sometimes uh, I would go, through those motions where I just can't like I just can't I can't talk to anybody I can't be mm -hmm. destiny all the time I can't very minimal tasks are hard for me to do and sometimes like you see people talking to you and sometimes you know to clear my head I would go out and it felt like that it just felt like there was just I'm in a sea of people and nobody <laughs> stands out to me nobody like even when people talk to me it's like they're not really talking to me and I just resonated with that because I felt like it accurately portrayed how somebody who's suffering from depression kind of feels like you just are swimming through the water or going through the motions but you're not actively being like hey you know like this is a you know I'm noticing you for who you are and I just thought it was such a great moment at the end where he's able to have all those X's kind of fall off and you start realizing that you're not just mm -hmm. in a sea of people and it's just a lot different. And now you're starting to see more people and things are just starting to be clearer. And I just felt like that whole transition, that honestly did make me tear up a lot because going from someone or going from a moment where you're in the darkest moment, and everything looks so bland and, and dark and things like that to shifting to just feeling okay or feeling somewhat normal is like a life-changing feeling it just it changes everything so I just wanted to know how accurately you think mm -hmm. mental health was portrayed in this movie um I believe it was portrayed pretty well uh I think you know I I always try to distinguish for, for those who are not familiar um, with the conversation and the topic of mental health, that mental health issues and mental illness are 
not necessarily one and the same. Mm -hmm. And so we all struggle with mental health issues. We are like right now, collectively dealing with the mental health issues due to COVID. And so we are all collectively experiencing grief and loss. Um, We would, if, if all of us went to a therapist today, more than likely we would all get the same diagnosis of adjustment disorder. Like we're all adjusting to this new norm. Um, and we have the stressor and the stressor is COVID or the stressor, well, you know, race-based trauma um, is an additional stressor. And so mental health issues are just how we interface with life. So whether it is that we're dealing with a miscarriage or a new job or a breakup, um, we have an aging parent with onset dementia, we now are caring for our cousin's kids because of a car accident. Like all of these things are more than likely, if we haven't experienced it, we know someone who has. And those are mental health issues because they impact our well-being. They throw off our footing a little bit. Um, and then mental illness is depression, you know, uh, major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, anxiety, um, personality disorders. Like So those illnesses have more, um, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, greater, you know, psychosis mm. issues. So that may require medication, you know, that kind of stuff. So I say mental health is kind of like an umbrella where the, the top part of the umbrella, the largest part of the umbrella is all mental health issues. You know, so everything that we deal with life, having a baby, losing a baby, adopting a child, losing a job, unemployment, uh, you know, promotion, um, moving to a new city, all of that stuff can be the top of the umbrella. And that thing that actually opens the umbrella, the actual, you know, yeah. rod, <laughs> that's the mental illness because that's a smaller percentage of people who, who will deal with that. Um, so for you, COVID may have a different impact on you because of your history of anxiety yeah. and depression versus someone who hasn't. So we both will have um, adjustment disorder because we're all dealing with the same stressor but how it impacts someone with a mental illness will be different. It will be, you know, probably a little bit more intense. It will show up differently in their yeah. life. And so this movie, I think, definitely highlighted, um, you know, just how it could be so simple, so much of the day-to-day interactions of, of, of kids being kids, and how it goes to their actions like we didn't really get a chance to know too much of what their internal thoughts mm-hmm. were there was a little bit of moments with the narration um but you know we just kind of were able to read what was happening in their mind based off of their behavior like crossing off dates oh he's thinking about suicide oh okay he was going to actually act on the suicide okay so he must be depressed. Yeah. okay it's like there's a lot of things that we just kind of infer um, but that interaction was done well between, um, you know, the, the, the characters, but, um, I don't know any other way that they could have done it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, I mean, there, like there's, there's holes there, but you know, we don't have a whole day. Exactly. <laughs> so we can't see all the different angles, but I definitely saw that they elevated, um, how something like 
a relationship. Like when he realizes that the hand motion, the sign for friends is what she was doing yeah. the whole time. And like that aha moment, of course, he then was like <laughs> a bigger jerk. <laughs> like she just wanted, yeah. wanted to be a friend. But it's like, um, but it's, it's, that's, that's life, especially when you're dealing with mental health issues, that it could be the slightest thing that can trigger a negative response, a negative emotion. Um, and I hate even saying a negative emotion because all the emotions are natural, but we can respond to them in a, in a negative way. And so I thought the movie was done, like I said, it was beautiful. Um, it, it brought a lot of, like, as you see, we're sitting here now, conversation about each character, what we probably would have wanted them to do, <laughs> what we were confused about, uh, why they did a certain thing. But I think, uh, for the most part, I think it was a, a, a very good movie to foster conversation about mental health, mental illness, mm -hmm. and suicide. Especially in, in the yeah, for aspect. sure. Oh man! Well, thank you so much for talking with me. This was such a wonderful conversation. You were such a joy to have on the show. Um, would you please let me know or let my listeners know where they could find you, follow you, just get to know you more? <laughs> <laughs> sure, I would love to be connected with you guys. Um, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all the same at Farah Harris LCPC, F-A-R-A-H-H-A-R-R-I-S-L-C-P-C. Um, and my website is farahharrislcpc.com. I am not accepting any clients right now um, just because of COVID and being a parent. So I've, I've stepped away from my practice, um, but I still do consulting with Working Well Daily. Uh, and I do have a Facebook group for those who are interested in work-life alignment and self-care and, and just, you know, trying to maintain. Um, I have a Facebook group called Work. Perfect. I know for a fact I will be joining uh, because I would love, I'd love Yay. to learn more. Um, I'm all about that self-care. So thank you again so much. Thank you guys so much for listening to me. Um, and I will talk to you guys soon. Let me...